0: Hey everybody, welcome to Nomenclature. My name is Brandon Henderson. My guest today is Christina Hutchinson. Christina chose the word hyperbolic to discuss, um, which is apt because, I don't know if you know this, but um, sometimes when you try to record an intro to a podcast, uh, you fuck it up a million times. Um, And that is an example of hyperbole. Was it literally a million times? No, it was not. But it felt and has felt like a million times to me, trying to not uh, trip over my own words when I have absolutely no distraction around me whatsoever and uh, I want to die. Also, uh, a hyperbole right there. Uh, So, Christina, She is one half of the uh, Sorry About Last Night comedy duo along with Corinne Fisher, and they also host the Guys We Fucked podcast, which is wildly popular, and they tour worldwide. And she has been on Master of None. She has been on This Is Not Happening on Comedy Central and many, many other places and doing many other things. And it was a genuine pleasure to have literally the greatest time of my life Uh, talking to her on this podcast, and I truly could have died. Um, I was so excited, but it was fun. We had a good time, and I really, really appreciate her taking the time. So please enjoy this episode of Nomenclature as we discuss the word hyperbolic with my very special guest, Christina Hutchinson. Christina, welcome. We're, we're recording. We're going for it.
1: Wow. Let's just jump in. Yeah, let's do
0: it. Yeah, no niceties. I, I have no time. I have five children. I don't have time for five. anything. Anything People else. five
1: kids still these days? That's great.
0: Well, I didn't do it on purpose. Let me crack this oh, beer really quick. Nice. It's, 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 uh, it's five enough. kids in beer. <sighs> five kids in beer. Only two of them are here. So...
1: Thank God. No, <laughs>
0: it's... Uh, <laughs> How it's old ma- are your kids? Manageable. Oh, okay. Let me take a deep breath here. So, uh, 16, 14, 12, 10, and seven.
1: Oh, those okay. They're like human beings.
0: Yeah. They're, they're humans. like proper
1: people. That's great.
0: They are. They, um, so my wife and I, it's a second marriage for both of us. So it's a combined family. Oh,
1: that's fun.
0: Yeah. So hers are the 16 and 14 year old, uh, uh boys. And then I have, uh, the 12, 10 and seven girl, girl, boy, girl.
1: Nice. Oh, that's fun.
0: Yeah, we have a good time. I, uh, uh, you know, I I feel uh, like I'm going to suffocate and die only once, you know, a day. Um, but otherwise, that's <laughs> great.
1: That's great.
0: <laughs> no, they're fantastic. Thank you for uh, thank you for doing the show, by the way.
1: My pleasure.
0: Or whatever the hell this is. I am literally beside myself with excitement.
1: Oh, good. Me too.
0: Um, so, uh, you are in, uh, are you in New York City?
1: Yes, Manhattan.
0: How, uh, how are things going in the great state of New York?
1: It, well, the city of New York, I can only speak to, uh, things are going very well. Uh, the city is coming back to life cause it's warmer. It's getting warm out finally. And so usually New York is always buzzing in the spring cause everyone's so sick of the, the harsh winters, but this year is even more so because, Boy, have we been cooped up with our own thoughts! True, true war torture.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I uh, I'm really, really excited to see what kind of new mental illnesses come up in 20 years
1: from oh, yeah.
0: this shit, um, because it's been ridiculous. Like, and yeah. I mean that only partially joking. Like, there's going to be some kind of like COVID, you know, paranoia or or some craziness that comes in you know a couple of decades that we learn understand that we're all going to die. Yeah. In
1: addition to the neurological effects that COVID produces, that people are like, wait, what? You can't, you still can't smell after a year. Like (laughs) I know a lot of neurological, uh, side effects of this, of this, uh, illness apparently.
0: Well, and I, I read, uh, or not read. I, I heard, (laughs) it feels like reading when I listen Mm -hmm. to the radio. Um, I, I listened to NPR because I'm white and I, uh, discovered, um, Just how hard it is not to be able to smell like it sucks it pulls oh yeah that would really bum
1: me out yeah i love i always smell well smell is the strongest sense tied to memory and i feel like that's a real bummer to lose out on that
0: absolutely um yeah i i have several uh memory smells that i can pull out uh at any given time do you have like a really strong memory smell
1: yeah, I have a bunch of them. One of them is Captain Crunch makes me, uh, reminds me of my childhood neighbor's house that I was over a lot. Like I always, I'm like taken back to his kitchen whenever I smell Captain Crunch.
0: Captain Crunch, Crunch berries or just plain Captain Crunch?
1: Uh, Plain Captain Crunch.
0: All right. I, I do Thanks love Captain specifying. Crunch. Yeah, we gotta be specific. There's a yeah. significant difference. Um, Captain Crunch rips the fuck out of the top of my mouth.
1: Oh yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah. It's good. It's you know, it really is. It's weird that for so long and still I guess we're just feeding our children sugar for for uh breakfast. But uh boy, I loved it.
0: Oh, I would get the giant popcorn bowl and fill it up and like half milk, half cream, like straight whipping Whoa. cream.
1: Oh, how's your stomach doing? <sighs>
0: Well, I had surgery for um uh, uh you know, extreme hemorrhoids.
1: Okay, from all that cream in the now. last yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't think it's I don't think it's directly tied to the cream. Okay. Specifically from my my teenage years, but it is a thing, and I don't think I've ever admitted that uh out loud at all. But uh yeah,
1: you might as well did you have to sit on a donut?
0: No, but I swear to God, like I, I feel like I have a pretty strong uh, a pretty high pain threshold. Okay. There is nothing for a the- man
1: that's saying a lot.
0: <laughs> what are you trying to say? You're trying to say men are, M-
1: for my of- experience, men's yeah. pain threshold is pretty not a lot. Like, it's Oh my not God,
0: high. it's so low.
1: Like when a man so gets low. the flu or gets sick, it's like, yeah. Oh, I now have a child.
0: Oh, absolutely. From my
1: experience, you know, I'm not saying hashtag, not all men, of course.
0: <laughs> no, it's all men.
1: Um, <laughs> Thank- well, you could say that
0: i can say that yeah uh that's the one thing i can say no the the, the my wife uh full on, uh, not not to uh, you know reveal too much the the ungodly like she had to like literally they had to put her like on her head and do some crazy shit with forceps and like you know a rifle and a, you know a chimney sweep or i don't know yeah. what the hell happened but to get a baby out i mean oh right, right. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was how many was has she had? Tough, but it wasn't that bad. Uh two.
1: Okay. That's yeah. That's yeah. Yeah.
0: That's and my my ex-wife with our our second, um, he had a giant head. I don't know if that was a cause of anything or not, but um she hemorrhaged and lost forty five percent of her body. Oh
1: my goodness. Like,
0: just graphic. Let's get into it. Terrible. Yeah. But she she was very, you know, very nearly died, obviously.
1: Right, yeah, um, that's a lot of blood.
0: That's bananas. And then, you know, dudes are like, oh, no, I had...
1: I came in her. I'm him. would <laughs> <my dad.">
0: be <laughs> <laughs> like, I contributed. Um, yeah. But also, you know, we are a big, massive um, weaklings for sure. <laughs> like, I do, and I will admit it, like, if I feel sick, I... I am done. Like my ex-wife, yeah. I remember she would be like pregnant. She had a terrible morning sickness and she would just, she's a dental hygienist, which does not help. I would imagine mm. looking at people's mm-hmm. disgusting mouths and she would clean someone's teeth and in the middle of it, be like, excuse me for a moment. She would go and wow. vomit, brush your teeth, come back. Like if that happened, I would be done. Like I would yeah. be done for weeks. Mm-hmm even if I felt better, I would be done. Get a new
1: career. Yeah. Just, uh, let's just quit this one and start a new one. I've already tainted it with my illness.
0: I get my welfare checks to be fine. (laughs) I would be absolutely done.
1: Yeah. Women are amazing. Women are pretty amazing. And I, I, yeah, I'm always, I'm always impressed by when a woman gets pregnant, when a woman I know gets pregnant, I'm like, damn, you're just, wow. Good for you.
0: Yeah. And then to do it again is even, yeah, that's wild. Right.
1: I have not heard about like an argument that's convincing me to have a kid yet. Uh, I'm like, yeah, cause I'm 33. <laughs> I'm not dating anybody, but, uh, no. you know, I'm always, I'm always open-eared, you know, like I'm all ears with, you know, the stories, all the parenting stories, just none of them sound appealing.
0: There, it's Except for the they're... love
1: that you've never felt before. That whole part yeah. that I imagine is a, you know, pretty uh, groundbreaking feeling.
0: Yeah. The, the, the level of love that is only experienced between parent and child. It is magical. Uh, I will not encourage you to have a child, uh, even mm-hmm. with the five. I I wouldn't I, I don't re- regret a single one of them. They're all fabulous and fantastic human beings. Yeah, yada um, yada yada. No, yada, <laughs> yada yada, mama. But um I will say, and especially as an adopted child myself. Oh, um, you're
1: adopted. I would say that's the one thing I, I do know. want to do is adopt, because my mom is adopted. Oh, really? Yeah. I, and I know I, all about childhood trauma, so I feel like I'd be a really good parent to an adopted child.
0: You would be. And any parent that's moderately stable is a fantastic parent, a child that needs to be adopted. And there are so many. If there's anything I feel monstrously guilty about in my life, uh, it is that I did not adopt.
1: Hey, well, you don't have to feel guilty about that. So there you go. You're cured.
0: Oh, thank you. I appreciate that.
1: (laughs) Guilt is such a pointless emotion. And I've been reading many, well, listening to many books on it (laughs) lately as somebody who feels a lot of guilt all the time and I'm uh, learning to release it. Oh my gosh. So much more fun when you don't feel guilt.
0: It is fantastic. And I mostly don't have just like feelings in general, including guilt for anything, which is great at this point in my life. Um, But guilt also makes some great music uh,
1: oh yeah great podcast great great film and tell great pop culture is created out of guilt
0: right again is which it comes from a selfish place you feel the guilt i enjoy your art thank you very much
1: yeah oh no and they get the kudos for making the art hopefully
0: sure you, you can get a, a grammy which we, everyone knows is very very valuable
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. yeah and, and things um but but yeah, adopt adopt a child. You should. Yeah
1: yeah I think now, yeah. I I'm, I feel very uh, moved and pulled towards that notion of adopting. Um, just with yeah. my family history of it too.
0: Yeah, it, you know, and it's it's funny. Everybody reacts to adoption differently. You know, my older brother is also adopted, and I've always been obsessed with it. Like, you know, I I just with found the fact
1: my, that you're adopted.
0: Yeah, I always wanted to know everything. I was adopted when when I was very little. Um, were you
1: told from the beginning?
0: I was. I think I was like three,
1: so oh, okay. very young. Yeah, which my is mom was great. A when
0: she was three, yeah. Kudos to my parents for telling me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, however, they were very, very guarded about everything. So I felt like I could never ask. Like I remember asking my mom one time when I was like fourteen, if she could tell me about my birth mom, and she like broke down.
1: Oh, bummer.
0: And so I just never asked again. And I, I learned a lot of things later about why. She reacted that way particularly.
1: Oh, was the birth mom not a great story?
0: Uh, no, it, it was. It's more that she, and this is like a year ago. I I was at oh, wow. Maybe maybe no, it's more like two or three years ago. I was at my parents' house, and I was going through like old photos in a box just for fun because that's a thing that you do at your parents' house. And mm-hmm. I found this huge like Sears photo of my sister. Uh, who's 10 years older than me. And this biological little girl- Biological or adopted? No, adopt. She's okay. biological. Uh, I'm not related to her though.
1: Oh, I see. Biological
0: right. to my parents, yeah. And uh, she's sitting next to this girl that I've never seen in my life before. In this professional photo, I'm like, who is this person? Mm-hmm. And uh, it turns out it was a girl that they had fostered for like two and a half years. This little girl. And then they were going through the process of adopting her and her birth mother came and took her back
1: oh oh it was like heartbreaking
0: crushing but i had no idea like no idea my entire decades of life that that happened and you know i was like hey maybe if i had known that i wouldn't have thought you were big raging assholes for not telling Mm. me things about my birth parents oh later.
1: right 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 yeah yeah uh, I, yeah, yeah i hear you i've I learned a lot about my parents later in life where i'm like god you know you could have told me that because that would have helped me a lot
0: <laughs> right because you just I, I just think that they're dicks but now i you know i understand <laughs> i understand yeah, a yeah. little bit better yeah. but so it's your I, mom- mean,
1: I don't know if you feel this way but i would think like when you're adopted, you, you obviously the the first the biological parents, uh, you know, couldn't take care of the baby for whatever reason. But these other people really wanted you specifically. Right. And that's kind of nice,
0: which is fantastic. And I love my parents. You know, I have I have no ill will towards them at all. Um, and they they did many, many, many things for me. And so. I, uh, I appreciate them uh, greatly. So uh, it's, it's a funny thing. I think that's partly why I'm, you know, there's a couple things I'm obsessed with, comedy, uh, uh, music, and words, hence the mm-hmm. magical podcast that you're on right now. And I, I think part of that is honestly because of, uh, there's something about naming things and about attaching words to things mm-hmm. and ideas and people. And like, for example, you know, my my birth name that we're gonna go and people that listen to this podcast are gonna be like, shut the fuck up because i talking- about <laughs> um But my my birth name was Ammon. My uh, name after I was adopted is Brandon, but my that's my middle name. My first name is Robert. My, <laughs> hold on, we'll, we'll get there. My. Uh, My adopted dad's first name is also Robert, which is why I go by Brandon. But then I also found out that I have a half brother who's also named Brandon by my mother. She did not know what my parents renamed me. Wow. My mom's, my birth mother's name is Carolyn, which is also the name of my mom's twin sister who died when they were like two of pneumonia. So there's all this and there's, more and more and more, but there's all this crazy stuff about naming things and like identifying things by what they're called.
1: Right. Right. right.
0: That's always been very fascinating to me. And
1: yeah, I've, you know, it's a, I've heard a lot of stories about, uh, families. And then, you know, when you meet somebody that you marry or you have a kid and they're the names, there's all these parallels with the names, um, wild parallels. I, uh, uh, I found out through a twenty-three andMe test that I was um, a sperm donor baby uh, about two years ago.
0: Year Wowie! Now.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it was—it's it, just interesting too, like, <laughs> um, just the way uh, w- the emotions behind words and and you know having this piece of knowledge that you didn't have before, even though you're technically the exact same person you were before you knew this. And, nothing, you know, the only thing that's changed is the, the awareness of it and just like getting news that's like, wait, what? Um, <laughs> that's not good or bad, but just like shocking. And well, I have a, a lot of half siblings out there.
0: Are you one of those that has like 50 siblings um, somewhere?
1: 32. Yep.
0: Really? Mm hmm. That's incredible.
1: Yeah, it's wild. And I have a very tiny family, ironically. Well, not, I guess, anymore. I don't know any of these people. I met the woman that was raised by the sperm donor, so his daughter that he raised. I met her at a drag con in New York City last year. Uh, Yeah, it was great. Uh, But yeah, the other people i've not met and probably won't but i was really curious because my whole life my brother always told me i was the mailman's baby my older brother because he's like you don't look like anybody in our family and i would like we would all joke about it and i never noticed my parents going "Ah, mm, uh-huh so but i remember i bought 23 meat kits for everybody at christmas one year and uh again i didn't notice their response or reaction to it but then now it all you know looking back oh yeah you were kind of weird about that okay
0: so, so did they wait until you found out to like,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. spell But the I, you beans? know, I don't If like what I said to you earlier about like, oh, do you feel like more wanted? That's how I felt like, wow, yeah. you really went through a lot of hoops and yeah. paid a lot of money to get me on this planet. And so it doesn't change how I think about them at all. If anything, I have more empathy for them.
0: And that's, that's great. You know, it's, it's hard, you know, having kids, conceiving kids, you know yeah that whole process you know being able to take care of a child you know my my birth parents were you know 17 and 15 when i was
1: oh wow yeah
0: so you know obviously they they made the choice that was best for me to Mm -mm. give me up for adoption or, or my mother did my my birth father didn't know i existed till a year and a half ago
1: oh that's a fun dm
0: it's it is fun and he's um and twenty three and Me, thank you very much.
1: Holy also, shit, that's so funny. So he just found out he has a grown ass son, huh? A biological. Yeah,
0: and I swear to God, we are twins. Like,
1: whoa, really?
0: So alike, which is so crazy to be a kid that your whole life, you know, you know, you're not related to anyone. Right. To suddenly have someone that looks so aggressively just like, like you. you, like if the, if wow. it was late enough at night. And he, you know, I was passed out on the couch, and he, he decided to like, you know, take advantage of my wife somehow. She would think it was me. Like it's really wow, intense. Yeah, thought a lot about that. Yeah. That was a dark place I just went to. I'm sorry.
1: No, I fuck it. Okay, I'm a stand up. You know, that's my <laughs> bread and butter. Um, oh. Wow, that's that's interesting. Because when I looked up the name, because I got a message from the woman, the, the his daughter, his like daughter that he raised uh, saying all this. And I was like, "Uh, wait, what you're on crack. Um, I looked up, she told me the name of the father and I looked him up and I do not look a damn thing like him. Really? Yeah. So I was like, I don't look like anybody. I'm a little alien.
0: So I'm, I'm assuming, so your, your mom is your mom biological. Right.
1: She's my biological. Yeah. yeah.
0: So it's just your, so it's your dad is not your biological dad. Obviously he's still your dad. And we all know.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. If anything, it made me like respect him more because I'm like, I yes. can't imagine, you know, he's a man's man. who's in the Navy and all that stuff. And I, I can't imagine what it must right. be like, you know, to know that another guy like I don't know if that if that's a thing or not. But if it was, I would could understand as much as I can from a woman's perspective. Um, And he obviously loved me and raised me like I was his biological. So, you know, right. lo- you know, family is beyond blood. <laughs>
0: It really is. You know, I have two stepsons and Mm -hmm. I consider them my sons just like my biological son. You know, there's, there's, or my biological daughters. There's, there's really no difference. I mean, it's complicated. Yeah. But life
1: is complicated, you know?
0: For sure. And, you know, being a divorced person and, uh, you know, sharing custody with an ex complicates things in any way, shape, or form. So, yeah. You know, it does go beyond, but the naming stuff, and we're going to get real massively nerdy on this, um, but you did agree to come on the word show. So, but like, so there is a, uh, like a literary philosopher, buckle up, named Jacques Derrida, who I I believe it's him uh, who said that there is, uh, (laughs) my my undergrad is showing by me talking Mm. about this. But uh, he said that there is nothing outside of the text, Okay, meaning that y- we as human beings can't conceive of any idea that cannot be named mm. with language.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And if you really sit with that and try to think about it, it, it'll trip you out a little bit, just like, you know, trying to think like uh, the, the universe is infinite or something, right? Right. Or that time doesn't exist. Um, Which is
1: it, fake. It is technically fake.
0: Right. So you know, this idea, you know, when you were talking about, you know, names, and how just knowing, you know, you know, just that slight difference in context, or it's called something else, it's Just it's a sound, you know, for me, Ammon versus Brandon, it's just sound. But uh, that's the way that we understand. So if it does change, and you, you connect it to some sort of a, idea that's different than what you have done your entire life leading up to that point, it can be significant, you know, Yeah, it, it's called something entirely different. If I was, uh, you know, my name would have been Ammon Conant, which is a manly ass fucking name, Wow. you know, Brandon You'd Henderson. Brenda at that point. What, what's that?
1: You just be named Brenda at that point.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, so, you know, maybe I would have like, you know, I don't know. Uh, you conquered something, you know, or
1: <laughs> maybe I know, I do know. Uh, I, I'm, all, I'm also, I love the um, I love whenever I learned that there are feelings and sentiments in other languages that are, they do have words for that are not, I feel like the English language is kind of sucks because other <laughs> languages, they have all these types of words for various kinds of love you know, yes. like uh, romantic love or l- lust, love, you know, just all of these phrases that really um, encapsulate a feeling much better than the English language can. And um, I'm also a big fan of the Don Miguel Ruiz wrote, wrote the book called the four agreements. And one of the agreements is being impeccable with your word and how much energy is around a word, um, yeah. which is true. And I feel like that's the word I chose for this podcast episode. Um, is something that I feel like is running rampant in society lately, and it, and I'm absolutely guilty of it.
0: Oh, and that word is uh, what, Christina?
1: It's hyperbolic. Thanks for asking, <laughs> Brandon.
0: <laughs> so, is, is that why you chose hyperbolic as your your word? Is just because everybody genius means means nothing anymore, and words don't have any meaning? Or what, what was the the catalyst here?
1: Well, I think I was I was uh, certainly guilty of using extreme languages when it language when it didn't the situation absolutely didn't warrant it. And I noticed that happens a lot in society and with younger generations of people. And uh, it really does do a disservice to the actual dictionary definition of of a word. So um, once I learned that word, which was later in life, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good word. That's what I got to keep that in mind, Uh, because especially with stand up comedy, uh, I is I not every stand up comedian is into this, but I'm really obsessed with word economy and not just mumbling on. And so I like stand ups and I'm not this kind of stand up, but I want to be one day uh, where every (laughs) word is on purpose. Every word is very meticulously put into the set. Um, I really like that. So, uh, yeah. I I wanted to use the word as a selfishly as a reminder for me to calm down.
0: Well, that's this is why I do the show with uh, comics almost exclusively, is because uh, comics are psychotic people who are obsessive Mm -hmm. (laughs) about a particular idea,
1: very accurate, yeah,
0: and a particular or particular words, and they will obsess over that idea or that word for you know, literally for years, maybe. And mm-hmm. I keep saying literally, and you'll, you'll see why I'm going to be very mad at myself for continuing to do so. But uh because that in and of itself is a, a hyperbolic word. But, um but I, I love it. This is why it's so interesting to talk uh, to comedians, because they will think about it in a way that the normal human uh, will not. Yeah. Um, and so, Let's talk a little bit about this, uh, about this word from its uh, etymology first and we'll get into some other stuff. So uh, uh, to continue on this vein of of nerdness. So 15th century word. It's been around for a minute. Uh, it's, it's based in Greek. There's some craziness about uh, the Greek alphabet. And how we had to sort of convert it into English and use an E because a letter in the Greek alphabet didn't fit, blah, 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 who gives a shit. But 15th century. So it's been around for roughly 600 years, if my math is moderately correct.
1: Wow, nice.
0: And it it means exaggeration, as we know, but literally, again, that fucking word literally.
1: But that's, you're using it accurately, I I, believe.
0: I, I think so. Means a throwing beyond. So chucking
1: an overthrow. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So chucking an idea beyond where it should be. So there's, you know, we can break this down into obviously hyper. That makes some sense Mm because it's uh, the excess of an idea. And then the bowl or hyperbole uh, is a throwing, a casting, the stroke of a missile bolt beam. That's the idea. So it's a hyper throw. Mm Mm-hmm is kind of it's literal translation. Nice. Kind of it's literal translation, which makes no sense whatsoever. Mm. Mm. Um, so with that being said, um, one of the things that sort of came out as, as interesting is the word literally let's, let's, let's do this, this thing, which I hate it so much. And I, I clearly cannot help myself, but use it. Um, so it, it sort of recently started to become its literal opposite of itself. So people started using it as...
1: Um, as common, to, like it's commonplace. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, to, to mean figuratively, right? right? They would say right, literally, which is, yeah. which is the literal opposite. Again, literal, fuck me. I can't not use it.
1: Well, the word exists because it's a word. Like, so, you know, yeah. you can use it correctly.
0: Yeah, sup- supposedly. But so... <laughs> So you'll, you you can even go to a dictionary now, and it will say something to the effect of like uh, to acknowledge that you know something is not literally true, but is used to em- uh, for emphasis mm. or something uh, to express strong feelings. So I can say it literally blew my mind. Obviously, it did not.
1: Right, you didn't. Your head didn't explode.
0: It's become a hyperbole, which is again the antithesis of what literally is supposed to mean
1: right which is so uh, yeah and then when i hear people use because a lot of times when corinne and i go on tour and a lot a lot of times the audience is comprised of young women and when they say you know we'll, we'll, we have a very interactive show and we're not doing stand-up we kind of talk to the audience and interrogate them a little bit yeah. and when a woman a young woman just like i literally can't even i'm like oh <laughs> come on i can't not call it out
0: <laughs> so what I- what uh what do you say to them when they are getting real, real literal?
1: I throw it in there for that, like literally you can't like literally you can't because you just did it. so that's not the right use of the word.
0: It, it's really are, are we just bored beyond belief that we have to
1: I think it's laziness.
0: i I don't disagree. I this is something I, I haven't thought enough about, but like so it's you know, hyperbole is an intensifier. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, you, you say something to try to add sort of this aggressiveness or an intensity to an idea so that people get where your emotion is coming from. I, 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 I I could have, I could have died. Right. You, you, you literally could not have died. Right. Um, But you say it so that people know it was a big deal. But at what point does it stop meaning anything? It's like, my, you know, my kids will say, you know, that guy's a genius or that guy's legend or whatever. the. F- you know, fucking,
1: yeah. Or even like, the word awesome. If you tr- look at what truly, that word actually means, half the shit you say, 80% of the shit you say is awesome is in fact not. It's pretty mediocre, actually. <laughs>
0: right. Well, and like awesome is like connected to deity. Right. You know, like I'm in awe of god and god's works or whatever right right and now we're just like this burrito is awesome
1: (laughs) well and i also think the fast pace of life the 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 increasingly fast pace of life does not a lot for taking a second to think before you speak yeah uh, which is something i have uh i'm trying to work on um ever since i was a kid my dad would always say christina if you just took one more second before you spoke. You'd, you'd say better stuff. And I'm like, nah, all right, well, we'll see about that. But he was right. And so when I don't speak so um manically, which is my normal tone of speaking, I do come up with words that are better and more interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, intentional speaking, I think. Right. And, and I love that idea. I love pulling back and thinking a little bit. I mean, it's why I feel like growing up, I always really connected with, uh, you know, the quote unquote greatest generation, you know, I feel like a lot of generations, they'll hate their parents, love their grandparents. Um, mm. and, and I, I really always enjoyed like a, like a world war II vet. I don't know. I don't oh, know why.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Do, 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 they do got stories. Similarly? Yeah. They've got stories, right.
1: I just and, love anybody with a story or an interesting experience that I don't know about.
0: yeah and and I feel like if you'll you'll ask them about it sometimes I feel like they were there's there's so few of them left, which is crazy um, I felt I felt always felt like if you would take a second to ask them and really listen to the things they had to say, they would tell you more and then you would get like crazy crazy stories about yeah. how they like you know s- you know stabbed a Nazi. In the eyeball or something, it's which is always story. fun. It's a great yeah. story, but everyone
1: loves a stabbing a Nazi,
0: <laughs> don't they? Um, but I feel like that generation was more intentional, and maybe it's just rose-colored yep. glasses or something, but more intentional you know, about the way they spoke.
1: I agree. Well, and you think of too of the I have books that are um, a series of letters, love letters written by you know men when they're in at war overseas and writing right. letters to their wives or their girlfriends and you look at that and then like I do a segment on my my Instagram call I call it fuck boy Friday where people will send me screenshots <laughs> of these just at- atrocious and I don't think I'm being hyperbolic with that atrocious conversations with these guys on dating apps and I'll do a theatrical yeah. reading of them and I always think of these letters that were written by, you know, w- people serving in the military in the midst of a world war yeah, and how die beautifully any articulate they were about their feelings and how, you know, where's that
0: now? It is, um, hard to find, I would imagine. Yeah. That, that is, you know, I, I feel like it's a matter of it, it, it's time that other construct that doesn't exist. Um, people taking the time to actually think, you know, in in those days, you know, to write something on the cusp of death and then to fold it and to put it in an envelope and put a stamp on it and mail it a hundred thousand miles away. You know, there's, there's something about that, that I think really matters. And my version of that um, with my, my wife, for example, is um, Bumble. Which is why I fell in love with her. Honestly, I fell in love with her before I met her. It was wow. uh, this is a magical, magical thing. Yeah, buckle up for this wonderful story. I'm but so we,
1: excited! I love love stories.
0: <laughs> we we met on on Bumble. We met also on Tinder, but we never talked on there because I don't know why. Because Tinder's discussing. Yeah, yeah. We we met on Bumble and we started uh, writing. And we would write. She would write me once a day, and I would write her once a day.
1: Oh, and that's good. Boundaries too.
0: It's good boundaries, but also I was so intimidated by her. She was, she's so aggressively smart and, and witty and not, not in the, like, you know, there's no, there's no patronizing at all. She's just so fucking smart and funny and interesting. And it feels like, like when she writes stuff, it feels like she's, um, I don't know. She's like a New Yorker columnist, but interesting and funny. Wow. I mean, like, you know, that's that's
1: that's well, intellectual stimulation is uh, it it can be the great spine for a relationship. I mean, really, uh, you know, your face is going to fade. Your tits are going to sag. Your balls aren't going to work forever. But your intellect and your mind, unless you have dementia, uh, will (laughs) remain intact. And so that to me is like long term partner uh, qualities.
0: Absolutely. And this is why I was so immediately attracted to her is, you know, she would write these like, like a treatise, like it would be so long, but it would be so engaging and so interesting. And the reason why I only wrote her back once a day is because I was like, fuck, you gotta spend six hours (laughs) to respond to her because this is so good. And I have to be witty and funny and respond to everything that she says and try to make comments. And, uh, you know, it was a couple of months before we, met for the first time
1: wow what great foreplay
0: it was fantastic foreplay intellectual we, foreplay i yeah, it was and uh you know intellectual blue balls also and, but we met once we went for drinks and then some crazy things happened in life and then it was like a couple other it was like 3 or 4 weeks after that before we went on another date and so it was like you know wait it was, it was,
1: that's wonderful. Be patient, I, you
0: know? Yes.
1: Oh, patience is, Oh, if you can, I finally am understanding the value of patience and it is a way more pleasant life to live. I want to say uh, my buzzer might ring in like a minute or two FYI. And I'll, I just have to go get it. It's a shake shack. Um, just, I just want to give you a heads up.
0: <laughs> if there's anything that I will allow dead air for, it's <laughs> shake a shake shack that. delivery. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> and I I have the power of editing tools. In oh, just perfect. Case.
1: I also I I I'm really interested in um activists and I'm I'm watching this Netflix docu-series called Amend. Oh my god. You really think you I mean, goddamn this country, but um, fascinating information that should be readily available in any public school, but it's not. Um, But, you you know, they play a lot of um, Dr. Martin Luther King's speeches and just speeches of these revolutionaries that led a movement and they were able to, with their words... Uh, Frederick Douglass was really the one responsible for freeing the slaves because he was the one who convinced Lincoln um, and, and this beautiful grace and patience that he had that any other human being looking at that is like, I fucking freak, you know, And it, it, but he was so meticulous with his words, beautiful words that he used that I'm like, wow, they, I mean, words are some of the most powerful things we have as people.
0: Wait a second. Are you trying to tell me that a white person took credit for something that a black person did?
1: A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's it's something that's been happening for whoo a long time. Really? Yeah, yeah.
0: This is new.
1: Yeah. Well, hey, welcome to 2021.
0: <laughs> right. right <laughs> but you look at something something like that, like to your point, like Frederick Douglass you know, letters that he wrote to Lincoln, obviously meeting with Lincoln and, and, you know, pressing the ideas of it. I, I can't even begin to imagine uh, the level of patience it would have required to, to make that happen and continue that conversation and not just like, you know, going with the newsie. I know those didn't exist at the time. And so that's right. nonsensical, but you, you get what I'm saying.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah, it's and it's all the power of word because Lincoln ended up calling black leaders to the White House. Something I'm learning from this web series or this uh, docuseries. I'm like, how the fuck did I not know that? God damn it. Uh, To basically suggest that black people should go to South America. And Frederick Douglass was like, what? No, like, but he said it way more beautifully than I did. And (laughs) but enough that you know, it changed the course of history and he taught himself to read illegally while he was a slave. I mean, it's just, and, and you look at these the these powerful notions uh, that people have accomplished and, and and searched for on their own. Like their just spirit was that strong and they got their, their they were in this paddle boat, but their oar was their words. Right. Wild.
0: Uh, it, it, it is wild. And I, I think that that's, I mean, that is where genius comes from. That's where okay. these like epic feats come from. That's how we landed on the moon. That's how we did all the things that we've done. And that is why uh, music fucking sucks now.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I will fight everyone. You know, I'm not saying that there's nothing there's no diamond in the rough. There are fa- there are things yeah. that are well. Magical. You got to
1: weed through some poop to get there.
0: That's right. But literally, I will you have say-
1: to weed through shit. <laughs>
0: This is the first generation where, when old people say, "I don't understand the words," and it it just sounds like noise, they're right for the first time. But yeah,
1: <laughs> the first time in their lives, they are first so. time
0: because they're just on like um, Pro Tools, just like making weird sounds, and they're not putting any effort into any shit.
1: And the words, I always think of words to songs when I listen to, you know, what's the mu- What's you know the new new music that's coming out? And I'm like, ugh, these sentiments. Are <laughs> disgusting.
0: They're disgusting. They're redundant. They're like you know I'm gonna live forever kind of stuff. You know what I mean? They're yeah, Like, like stuff hey that-
1: girl, I think I want to marry you. Oh okay, right. thanks. Okay, cool. <laughs> wow, very romantic. Jeez, you're so passionate. Can't
0: say so, no. So I have a question for you. Since you do such fantastic um you know podcast stuff and tour all the time, and you hear people saying literally all the time, I and you chose the word hyperbolic. I, I would love to hear whether it's from you personally or from things that you've read. Like you said, from, um, you know, these 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 people trying to pick up women uh, with their oh, magical right, magical right. words. What are some of the most like hyperbolic bullshit things that that you've heard from? Well, a lot of them men? Have
1: come from my mouth, uh, and because <laughs> though I've gone on this deep dive, especially over quarantine, uh, just you know, sitting with myself. Um, I didn't understand that I experienced childhood trauma as a kid. And so I had all these parts of facets of my personality or way behaviors that would just kind of pop up out of nowhere that I felt a lot of guilt about a lot of shame and a lot of confusion about. And once I really started to uncover all the layers of myself and why I felt the way I did and why I noticed that I spoke in extremes because I didn't understand how I felt. So I would just, you know, if I was sad, I was the saddest girl in the world. Like I, it, right. and it was hyperbolic, but really I wasn't, I wasn't using the language correctly because I didn't know how I felt. But once I uncovered that layer and I was able to actually, you know, kind of speak, do do a little bit of justice to how I feel versus what I say, it just feels so much better. So that that's more on me. Uh, I'm a, I love self-improvement. I'm kind of a, you know, a junkie for it.
0: So you feel like your, your language is more intentional now kind of thing. Yes.
1: Very intentional. And I really appreciate and notice that quality in others.
0: I, I, uh, I also experienced some childhood, uh, things that, uh, I don't recommend to anyone. And I feel like my, my version of that was always expecting the worst Mm -hmm. always, you know, my, my thought process was if, I expect the most horrific thing to happen. If Mm -hmm. anything below that happens, that's positive.
1: Ah, yeah. Yeah. So your bar was super low.
0: Yes. Bar so, 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 so low. And which, you know, doesn't, (laughs) doesn't really encourage, uh, you know, a very positive outlook or very positive, you know, life. Yeah. I I would think. Yeah. Um, so, so I would assume and please correct me if I'm wrong. That, you know, if if you're in this place where like intentional thinking, intentional conversation, and intentional words are m- more valuable to you today, that you know when you go, when you go on tour and you have people standing up in the crowd or you have people sending you stuff that they were sent on Tinder or whatever, um, that is so uh, aggressively um, false and full of bullshit. Mm -hmm. That's gotta, I mean, what's your reaction? Is it, is it more anger? Is it more just like, uh, I I understand more or what is it? It's
1: funnier to me because I, now I can see I pulled the curtain back on it by doing this deep dive. So it's like, I see the wizard of Oz and he's just a scared man in a shitty chair. Like I, 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 and it's, it it allows me to, to for sure be quicker on stage, funnier on stage. Um, and I kind of see people's bullshit right away because I can ca- now catch my own bullshit before it comes out of my mouth. Well, not always, but you know, uh, yeah. I'm better at it.
0: Yeah, no, and I, 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 I get that. I, I think, um, I think being able to like, you know, allow yourself to say what you actually think can also, um, maybe, it's give freeing. you the gift. It's it's very freeing but also maybe give you the gift of seeing when people aren't allowing themselves to say what they actually think. Yep.
1: Yeah. I can, I, I, I mean, I'm not a licensed therapist, but boy, I could do (laughs) fake therapy on you real quick and get somewhere pretty soon. (laughs) I'm pretty good at it.
0: And you, uh, uh, you, I don't know. I would have to give you too much money for that therapy. I think, That's, uh, me and therapists, um, I have had many, many over the course of my life career. And, uh, I, I think of maybe two that I didn't hate with mm. a, an aggressive passion. Mm. Are you a therapist person?
1: Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Therapy? I love therapy. Uh, I work with a, a woman now for, I guess I've been working with her maybe two years. She's a trauma specialist. And, yes. um, at do first do I didn't yoga.
0: Look- hmm. Do you do yoga?
1: I lift weights. Nice. I'm a, I'm a, you know, deadlift squat, squat rack kind of gal. Oh man. Um, but I love yoga too. Yoga great, but I, I lift weights and I rollerblade. That's my favorite. Those are my favorite exercise activities. But, um, uh, yeah, this woman was great. I had a, a therapist before her who was retiring and I was very bitter. So I like entered therapy with my current therapist, like hating her. I'm like, you're going to have to really prove to me that you're, you're as good as Orna. So, <laughs> but she did. Um, yeah. And she's very, one of the things that she does that no other person has really done with me is when we start our session, she'll just stare at me. And at first I was so uncomfortable with silences that I would just start talking. And it really fucked me up in pitch meetings (laughs) when you're like pitching a TV show to NBC and you're like comedy partners, like shut the fuck up, you know, gives (laughs) you that look. And you're like, what? what do you mean? Like, Ah, uh, dead air is bad air. No, it's not. So yeah, she's taught me to <laughs> be comfortable with silence.
0: That's good. I, uh, yeah, I. Uh, well, first of all, I asked uh, yoga because um, when I was really doing trauma therapy, they had like a yoga studio in the um, their offices. So I like nice. do yo- I would do a therapy and then I would go yoga it up. Yeah, and I, it was honestly. I w- at first I was like, "This is bullshit," you know, but it was really, really helpful. Actually.
1: Oh yeah, it's an ancient art for a reason. I mean, it is because yeah. the breathing, the breathing connects you to your body and, and allows you to ground yourself. I meditate every single day. I, quarantine had me uh, finally uh, being able to implement this. I meditate every day, sometimes multiple times a day, and it is uh, a game changer.
0: That's fantastic, and and that silence thing is uh, you know, she, you know, your therapist may be a sadist, but she may also be just really fantastic. And, uh, I think there is something about being able to like sit with yourself and, you know, not have thoughts constantly. And, And again, this goes back to like having to constantly talk and not actually think through a thought and sit with your feelings and not be afraid of, uh, you know, a feeling that's maybe uncomfortable,
1: right and, it's like a tie it'll go it'll go away feelings are never right. permanent ever
0: yeah and to know that to be like oh no because that's the thing uh, with you know this is going to bum everyone out this part this let's do this it part Fuck. of it but that that's part of it is like um y- you know uh for a long time i was i was very afraid to like have certain feelings because i would be afraid that i would like uh explode like yeah. literally yep. explode, or you know
1: if know, I go down this, hard. this, this, yeah, this route, I will yeah, go to the yeah. sink to the bottom of the well and never come out.
0: Right. Exactly. And and I still feel that to be quite honest, yeah, but y- you know, there's, th- there there's more than I've sort of allowed to sort of like feel, you know, sort of feel yeah. it out and realize that I'm not going to die. If I feel it out, it'll suck for a minute, maybe, yeah, but I can feel it out and then I can pull back and, uh, you know, Hey, I'm still, I'm still around. I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't explode.
1: Yeah. All feelings are, are reactions to thoughts to your own thoughts or to others thoughts, but that's, that's all a feeling is. So, and, but the ones that are like, um, they're here to talk about a word that's used too much, uh, triggered. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A psychological trigger is uh, an important thing to understand. Um, and it's a very valuable, uh, concept to grasp as uh, if, if you've experienced trauma, which is 90% of the population. And, um, uh, when it's a trigger and you're reacting to something uh, terrible, that's not happening in the present moment, but it feels, you're like, I swear to God, this is happening right now. Even though it's not, <laughs> once you can understand that part, you, that's when you're free from your own jail. I feel.
0: Yeah. You you almost have to like go through it to realize that it, you can handle it. It's like, I remember being a kid. I was at a camp. I am from Alberta, Canada. So there's lots of camps. It's basically all camps uh, in Canada. And there was this zip line that went over a lake. I was at the, you know, and I had all these friends they were going across the zip line. They're having a great time. And I was so terrified to go across it because I'm, I'm a wuss. And I, I finally did it just because i you know, people were making fun of me and I didn't want to, and I did it. And, and, Uh, It was not in any way, shape or form scary. And I remember getting to the other side and I was like, man, I wish I had done this 30 times already Mm -hmm. because it was easy and not scary and it was fun. And uh, I'm not saying that the trauma stuff is going to be fun at any point, but I almost feel like you just you just have to do it. You have to like, you know, it's almost like getting off of heroin. You have to go through Uh the shit to get better.
1: I read one of the books that I read said something to the effect that when you really want to understand yourself and peel back your layers, if you're someone who's experienced childhood trauma, you're going to have to go to the desert and die and come back. And right. and I, I was so glad I read that like metaphorically die, obviously, but I, I was glad I read that because I needed a heads up on how hard it was going to be. And, and, um, just the wailing, crying and and just the throwing things by myself at home and going, what am I? I'm a monster. And, you know, having that beyond a temper tantrum, my God, um, <laughs> it was very, very valuable. And just, you know, when you're drooling all over yourself and you just crawl up on the floor in the fetal position, you really and you do it enough times and you allow yourself to be really comfortable to go there. You can eventually find humor in it, which is right. That's what saved my life.
0: Right. And, you know, it makes makes you think about the, you know, you know, innumerable amount of people that weren't able to get to that space, you know, yeah. that uh, hit the wall and, you know, ended it or, or whatever happened. And the people uh, who
1: stormed the Capitol, I would say it's very uh, safe to assume that their childhoods were not good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like
1: We see walking billboards of childhood trauma everywhere.
0: Oh, man. He's fucking I, I that is maybe it's one of the hardest things for me to try to like conceptualize is the person that's, you know, that had the wherewithal to storm the Capitol and thought that they were fully justified. I think that's why it's so fucking hard and scary for people is like, I don't understand. It's so hard for me to understand that one. And
1: I feel like I I thought about this a lot and I watched that unfold live on television. I couldn't sleep the night before because I was like, something's going to happen. And obviously there were signs that was going to happen anyway. Everyone's like, hey, this is going to happen. And, you know, it did. But um, I think that their life draft or their uh, their perceived life, uh, you know, safety net is clinging so hard to this belief that was, you know, just chiseled into them by their parents because you or some an authority figure of some type who instilled fear and would say something to the fact that you will die if you don't fight for your country and fighting for your country in that sense meant preserving the white race without actually saying that. And then also right. um uh just not trusting anybody and operating from this place of fear.
0: Yeah, well, it, it's it's Religious level zealousness. Yeah, it's yeah. just, and I, you know, and I get that. I was raised very religious, and I oh, get,
1: bummer. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, was it a bad? Bummer. Was it one that <laughs> fucked you up, or one that didn't fuck you up?
0: Oh, yeah, no, super fucked me up. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, mega big time. But you know, it, it's so complicated. You know, my parents are still very, very religious, and I love ah. them, and I, yeah. I know that they love me, but they did it within a context that was so damaging. You know? Yeah,
1: yeah. So, I think religion, uh I did not grow up religious. I feel very hashtag #blessed for that. But <laughs> yeah. uh that cuz that allowed me to formulate my own thoughts. I was traumatized by other shit, but it's so interesting to me how much religion fucks people up because you're born into this world and then either your pastor or your parents through the religion or the you you go to church and you repeat these things about I am a sin. I am sinning. I am fucked up. I need to apologize for being here. Sex sex is the devil. Like You're you I mean, my god, the 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 way religion has tainted a human being's view of themselves and their sexuality. Excuse me, that's my Shake Shack. I'm sorry.
0: No problem. Go get
1: okay. Sorry about that. I'm back.
0: No worries. You were uh now that uh your delicious Shake Shack is here, and we'll (laughs) we'll wrap we'll wrap this up soon because (laughs) you you don't want that shit cold.
1: Oh my god, Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. But uh, you were saying things about uh, uh, religion and uh, yeah. ruining human beings. Yeah. yeah.
1: Really disservice, big disservice. And I'm like, wow, it's uh, ironic that the point of religion is to help you, lead, guide you to leading a more fulfilling and better life. And yet yeah. it has turned into um, just a shit show.
0: <laughs> well, I was uh, I was raised Mormon.
1: Oh, to make boy. it even
0: more aggressive. Woo! And if we're going to talk about, you know, sexuality, you've got, you know, um, uh, Elizabeth smart, right.
1: Uh-huh.
0: For example. And she's been, uh, I think, a fantastic advocate for, um, for, you know, people that have been abused and, and talking about, you know, being open about sexuality and things. And she, uh, and this is top of mind. I, I think just because I think my wife and I talked about it recently, but she had talked about, how when she was a kid and i remember hearing this as a kid cuz we we are i'm older than her for sure but you know we're Comfort, close, in, close enough. in your background yeah. yeah so you know she was told as a as a child that um uh that if you have sex before marriage it's like it's like being uh an already chewed piece of gum Yeah. Right. That fun, fantastic metaphor. Uh So who would, who would want to pick up an already chewed piece of gum and put it in their mouth. Right. Right. And which is really ultimately is what kept her uh, where she was for so long. You know, she, you know, there there's, I know that people have talked about like, why didn't you just leave? Um, I understand, you know, cause she was 14, I believe. And Yeah potentially on stockholm
1: syndrome right like oh that's a freaking thing and if you think about even the notion that um not giving children the correct anatomical names for their body parts like calling a vagina a butterfly is all that that thing that is perceivably you know a minor detail is teaching children that We're going to give you a nickname for this part of your body because I'm not comfortable telling you what the real name is. You'll find that out later on. And you're going to start building the shame around that part of part of your body, no matter how confident you are. And then you look at what a religion will say to a child about. Their body, it, 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 you know, you suppress any part of the human soul, it's going to come up. It's going to get it, it's going to it's going to explode in some form, whether it's the person's life or a mass shooter, or whatever, like you, people can't hide parts of themselves that will never end well. And I just the, like Catholicism. I mean, really, I'm not religion's got a bad, bad rap for a reason. I've not heard many positive stories about about religions.
0: No. And, and this is, you know, this is what's so hard about, um, you know, I have, like I said, I have, you know, three biological kids and I share custody with my ex-wife who is a Mormon. And so I've I've got these young kids who, you know, half the time are being taught that idea. And then the other half, I, I, you know, my wife and I are so, you know, very, very open. and, uh, I'm sure it's confusing as hell. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's got to be rough having two different philosophies to parent the kids.
0: Oh, But it's it's also
1: (laughs) I'm also like, well, one's right and one's wrong. Like, you're right, (laughs) because, (laughs) you know, it just let a human being exist and discover their bodies and, you know, teach them about appropriate and inappropriate. But in a way that just really is there's no room for shame, because then that's a control fear is is the is the biggest weapon to control anybody. And uh boy, oh boy, like a re- the Mormon religion, the Catholic religion, it's just like, oh my God, your tactics are showing. It's like they're you're right. How do you not understand what you're doing to yourself and to your family?
0: Yeah, and uh, there's such massive long-term consequences. I mean, to the point like, <laughs> I was talking to my wife today, uh, the the Mormon Church and the Catholic Church are telling their members uh, not to get the Johnson and Johnson vaccine because they use stem cells, right. I'm like, God. for the love of God, shut the fuck literally, up! Literally, for the love of God, <laughs> literally, <laughs> yeah. literally, for the love yeah, of yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. Y- you're 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 having people risk their lives over some crazy pretend idea that you have, and or go I, to war I,
1: I, over it, yeah,
0: right. But it's uh, it's a thing, man. People, you know, whether it's the capital or it's the Crusades, people, yeah.
1: And you really, it's like I always think about I. Uh, um, I always think about how I affect others and how, like, if I, if I want to make a point to a specific person in my life, usually I would come from a place of like, how do I want to make you feel it's this way. Okay. I identify that. And then I go, what's the path to get there? What words do I use? What tactics do I use? But when somebody is so hell bent on, um, on, on clinging to the life raft of the religious beliefs, and they are under the understanding that if these are, are debunked i will crumble and die i which i mean religion is traumatizing religion is childhood trauma in all the extreme forms are all traumatic so yeah i mean you'll never get like how do you get through to a person i don't i mean whew.
0: yeah there's there's a massive amount of deconstruction that has to happen before they will hear what you're saying yeah. and that's that's why it's so hard is like you can't just go up and be like hey you know you you can't even put proof in front of their face and right. be like here it is you've got to spend like years of uh, again that deconstruction to get them to nothing and then build it back up yeah. with you know reason and logic or whatever and i'm sure every religious person finds this incredibly patronizing but go fuck yourself
1: well no um, because you know what religion uh the point of <laughs> there were Religion could be such a beautiful Asset to life And, 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 and truly I be do be believe it a, can be A church could be such an integral Part of a community A, mm-hmm. a church can feed the homeless To have uh, you know, plays have be like this lifeblood of a community. And that's why it pisses me off so much, because I'm like, you guys, you're taking this idea that could be great. And you're just making it really suck. And you're yep. making people's lives worse because you don't want to look at yourself. So yep. it's laziness to me, too. Like laziness, control, money, power.
0: No, and and I agree, and I, you know, I truly do believe that there are incredible people within the confines of a religion. Yeah. I also think that there are incredibly terrible people uh, in and the good people should speak up a
1: little louder uh, against yes. the bad people because it's like, hey, it's got a bad rep for a reason, and if you are a devout Catholic and you don't say, you you will not talk about the molesting the boys for hundreds of years, then yes. are you really a devout Catholic? Do you really give a shit about what you're claiming to give a shit about? Because I don't I think you just think you want to be right. And you don't want to go into anything that's complicated or messy.
0: Yeah, this this ridiculous idea that if you admit to faults, everything is going to crumble is so exhausting. And it has what to a, yeah. it has to end just fucking say what happened. Like it, yeah. it, nobody is, nobody thinks that uh, just because you haven't admitted to it, that thousands of priests haven't raped a bunch of kids.
1: Yeah, Like yeah. just
0: because yeah. you're not there admitting should be a bumper it. Sticker. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's happened regardless of what you say going forward. We all know. So maybe just admit it. And trying to rectify and fix it instead of, you know, sweeping under the rug giraffe and put your.
1: And if you really want to save your soul, like that, if you think about that concept of saving your soul, it's part of that is uh, being honest about your actions and the actions of others that you've witnessed.
0: Repentance, baby.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm like these ideas they had, you know, I get where they're coming from. They just fucked it up.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. Which is, you know. A little just straight up uh, human nature, I suppose. For sure. Uh, And with that, thank you, Christina, for taking the time uh, to come on uh, the podcast and and chat about uh, whatever the hell we just talked about for the last hour.
1: Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) Thank you.